This is the Foxhole Podcast. My next guest is a judo master, a Rokudan, or six Dan black belt in judo and jujitsu. He trained under the famed, well-known, and highly respected master, Shdenik Model. He is a father of two great kids, now they're young adults. <laughs> He's a small business owner and one of the most humble and hardworking people I have ever met. He currently owns his own dojo in Round Rock, Texas, that's just outside of Austin. Through that dojo, he trains all levels of judokas. He also volunteers a lot of time to where training and guiding law enforcement and first responders in self-defense and protection. Give it up for none other than Chad Haas. Chad, welcome to the Foxhole Podcast. Man, it is a tremendous pleasure for me to have you on here. I've been thinking about like all the things I wanted to talk to you about when you got on here um, for a number of reasons. Um, but anyway, welcome to the Foxhole Podcast. Man, it's awesome. I'm super excited to be here with you, man. So what I wanted to do today was talk about martial arts in the context of, of growth and, um, and a little bit about your journey too in martial arts. And, and to set the scene a little bit, um, I met you, I don't know, gosh, it, it was probably in 2007 or 2008 time period, maybe even a little bit later, but close to that. And um, I, what's, I wanted, well, I was looking for a martial art. I was looking for a place to do judo or jujitsu or, or something like that, right? It was ha really hands-on. <laughs> I was looking for something hands-on. And I don't know if you remember this, but I, um, I started calling around and I contacted your gym. It was Sensei Model and, and you there. And, and I think, I don't know who I talked to first. It may have been Sensei Model. It may have even been some email exchanges. And said, we're at this gymnastics place show up here and i just wanted to watch because i was really cautious i wanted to go to the right place i want to make sure it was the right fit for me and um so i showed up at the it was whatever a thursday night or something and i showed up at the gymnastics place well you guys were working out in the loft of the gymnastics place mm -hmm. all the gymnastics downstairs well there were other people that worked out there too i didn't no one ever told me you were in the loft you were just at the gymnastics place so i showed up there there was also another martial arts group that met on the floor of the gymnastics place and they were a ninja team. I don't even know what else to call them. They were like ninjas. <laughs> and so that's who I showed up thinking I was meeting, right? So I sat down on the bench, I was watching the ninjas and I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is for me, man. And the whole time I'm there, I was there probably 15 minutes. I'm hearing this racket, like thud noises, slamming, um, all kinds of just, racket right yeah. like a, like a fight was happening somewhere and i finally got up to leave the gym because uh, i didn't I, I knew that the ninja thing wasn't for me and as i was leaving the gym i saw someone coming in the door in a gi and going upstairs and then it i put two and two together i was like oh maybe that's the judo jujitsu place up there so i went up there and then that was it i met you i met sensei model and uh that was that was that i'm like oh this is where i need to be and that thudding noise that was people getting tossed around up there and people getting grinded on <laughs> i'm like that's yeah. right there <laughs> that's what i want so that's how we met right? that's how that's how we met 
Yeah, and you know, it's funny because the 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 ninjas must not have been doing too good of a job if you could see them. <laughs> That's right. Because, you know, it wasn't smoke and mirrors or anything happening. <laughs> I can't so, help a good ninja joke, you know. <laughs> right, right. Will you t will you just explain what is judo? Where did it come from? Um, what's it all about? Um, maybe just a quick overview. Yeah. Um, so judo judo came from um, it came from traditional Japanese jujitsu, which is the art that the samurai used to use, um, and. Uh, Basically, what Kano had done, Kano was the founder. He was studying under a uh, a lot of different traditional jujitsu masters, and so what he did, he says, you know, we can't practice a lot of this stuff full speed because uh, the techniques are dangerous. You can only throat strike somebody so many times and break their arms and legs so many times uh, before you run out of training partners. So what he had done is he had stripped away a lot of the really dangerous things. And, um, and basically come up with judo and, um, and that's pretty much how it, how it came to be. Now, judo, old traditional judo is basic striking, basic, uh, you know, punches and kicks, uh, throwing the art of throwing, and then you continue on the ground to uh, a conclusion, which would be a submission on a joint or, uh, which would be a lock or choking where you could put the person unconscious through uh, blood restraint. And, um, and that's, that's essentially what it, what it was. What it's transformed into is something a little bit different. They've, they've really stripped away the striking components and the ground fighting component uh, for the sake of uh, Olympic sport. And that's a shame, but that's kind of what it is today. We yeah. still do the traditional stuff, and that's what makes us really different. So there's ju the jujitsu where judo came from, and then there's this sort of sport judo that the Olympics are based on. But what you're doing in your gym is this sort of traditional jujitsu, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. We're, yeah, we, uh, uh, we focus a lot more on the throwing and the ground component because it's so much more difficult to to learn than to punch and kick somebody um, because i i believe you know through my training over the years I, I i believe that we have an innate ability to punch and kick like a baby you know or a little child they know how to ball up their hand and hit something uh, but what's not <clears throat> what's not natural what's not normal is to get in personal with somebody, grab them, throw them down, continue and continue that interaction on the ground. That's not necessarily normal. So we focus a lot of that uh, outside of when we're doing our self-defense stuff or weapon disarms or things like that. Right. So I want to talk a little bit, maybe just in, in a little bit down the line here, some of the work you're doing with law enforcement and first responder training. I was part of some of that uh, when mm -hmm. I was working out with you. Um, I, I want to read you a quote uh, that I read recently and maybe just have you respond to this because I think it kind of gets at what you're what you guys are doing in your gym and your dojo is is really amazing because it's really it's not just you come here for a workout, you come here for a sport. 
it's, it is a philosophy. It is a way of life. It is, um, yeah, it is, is a whole practice. Right. And anyway, here's the, here's the quote, Mm -hmm. which I think is, is interesting, right? I don't fear a man who's practiced 10,000 throws or chokes or locks, whatever you want to have it is, right? I don't fear a man who does 10,000 of those things. I fear a man that has practiced one of these 10,000 times. And I think that in terms of the philosophy in your dojo, right? It's one of the things that it, it was the fundamentals, the basics, just master the basics. And you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I could not agree with you more. Um, and the quote really is, is spot on. I think it was Bruce Lee who had, who, uh, who's, uh, coined that. But, is that his uh, quote? That's the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it. It, yeah. I, I, I believe so. Yeah. Cause it was, uh, I don't fear a man who can do a thousand kicks. I can fear a man who can do one, th- uh, one kick a thousand times, uh, something along those lines. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, it's the basics that win the basics, basics, basics. Cause when you get down to it, anything that's advanced is built off of fundamental movements. And if you don't have a grasp of those fundamentals, you can never truly do the advanced stuff. Um, you know, I call it, you know, some of the people that come in from the BJJ community, they say, Oh, well, show me the trick, show me this or that. And it's like, look, you need to know how to shrimp. You need to know how to, you need to know how to build basic structure. You need to know some very basic things. And I said, well, now show me this lock or this choke or this submission. And um, I said, well, yeah, I can show it to you, but you're going to be a one trick pony because you're, 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 you don't have a foundation that you're working off of. And, uh, and so we do, you know, that's why we do a lot of very, very basic things. And, you know, since I used to always say, you know, it's got to be safe, simple, and effective. And, you know, while he, while he didn't necessarily have a strong grasp of the English language and all the, you know, and all the words and whatnot, uh, that's, that's, a that's a pretty powerful, uh, statement just on yes. its, on its, uh, on its face. And so that's what we really push for you know, we can do the super crazy spinny ninja throw and whatever, but I tell guys, why would I do that when I can do something with half the effort and uh, maybe I don't expose myself to being countered or whatnot. I would much rather do that. If I can get away with pushing you down like a, like you're a little kid, that's what I'm going to do because I'm using the least amount of energy and being the most effective in that time. And that's what the, core principle of what really judo is supposed to be but um it's all about basics and when i fight with a bjj black belt um almost every single time i fight with them i do nothing but basic things that's all i'm doing i don't always win but uh uh well neither neither do they they don't always win either but um but i definitely just use i use basic fundamental movements, fundamental principles and strategies. And then when an opportunity shows up, then I go and I, I grasp that opportunity uh, in that moment. Uh, but outside of that, it's all one-on-one stuff. And the best, the best fighters in the world, whether it's boxing, wrestling, MMA, whatever, 
the best fighters in the world, they do one-on-one stuff. That's what they win. One-on-one stuff. And yeah. occasionally they'll throw in something crazy, but that's, yeah. you know, that, those are all like one-off things. So I've had this conversation a thousand times with a thousand different people that are experts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do, right? From cybersecurity experts to Navy SEAL experts to judo experts, jujitsu experts. And, and it's not surprising that they say the same thing. You have to master the basics and it's all about the basics and everything else is a nuance of the basic. And mm-hmm. I found that to be the case in mastering our own selves, right? Uh, you, you can kind of master what you think the enemy is, if you will, if you're thinking about it in a combat setting, but mastery of self is where true power is. And that's what I really love about um, judo and jujitsu is that it's, there's a lot of this mastery of self that is kind of pre-programmed into the process, right? You really have to master your own movements, your own philosophies of how you're going to do it. And it, there's a whole lot of creativity in the process. And that's the other thing that's probably mm-hmm. not well thought about, right? But um, but it's all about mastery of self. And so one of the things that you guys did and do um, is this repetition, right? If you learn it, you're learning a basic skill and then you continually drill that over and over because you're, and, and what I loved about being with you guys is there was always this, okay, I'm going to stop you right here, Gabe. And it's not this angle, but this slight other angle, right? It's very minor details that are all so important. And I wonder if you talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. philosophy in, in, you know, in your dojo and how you, and, and what the reasoning is behind that. Uh, yeah, the, you know, uh, you know, we really, we really try to, we try to drill those things to the point where we can have, uh, we can be training and we can have a complete conversation about something not even related to training at the same time, but yet still be pulling off good repetitions. And, uh, and then when I feel something that's, that's out of whack, I, you know, kind of what you were saying, I'll stop them and say, Hey, look, okay. So you need to change your foot from here. You need to turn it, you know, 45 degrees. And, um, and a lot of times that'll fix, you know, whatever their problems are. And then we'll go back after they, we drill that specific thing a little bit, we'll go back to whatever it was we were talking about. But, um, the reason those details, you know, it, it, it's amazing because we're we're basically we're basically doing physics with the body, and <clears throat> when we're fighting, I equate it to I equate it to trying to solve a Rubik's cube, but the cube is actively changing its colors to prevent you from solving it. Right, right. It has a counter move. <laughs> it's got a counter, and it's it's always trying to mess you up, um, and so. You know, those details, you know, when we teach stuff initially, we can't, I can't show those details because it's information overload. People just, they just gloss over and shut down. And so we will give them the, you know, real crude one, two, three, four, how to do a movement. And then from there, we, um, we come back in and we insert these bits and pieces. And then as they get comfortable and the one, two, three, four is automatic. Now we add in more. And then it just, we just build on top of that to where 
they're doing, they're hitting all of these little finer points. Uh, you know, I call them waypoints. They're hitting the waypoints without really much thought at all. And, um, and I tell them, you know, when you're do doing, when we're ground fighting, the whole process is very slow. It's like an anaconda eating, eating its prey is very slow, but when you're on your feet, you can go from, you can go from having a super dominant position to in the air in, I don't know, like a third of a second. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm flying. Uh, that's, that's fast. That's, that's a mm -hmm. fast exchange. And, uh, you know, and I've, I've, I've got some videos where I, it, it happened, the exchange happened so fast. I had to go back and count the frames and look at it frame by frame. And, uh, um, so that's why we, that's why we, that's why we drill those, you know, we, we build into those details. That's why we, uh, we do that, but we ease into it instead of just like putting it all in at once. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I started to, I think after I was with you guys for a little while, I started to kind of take this from the dojo, right? That this reputation, repetition creates memory, muscle memory, and that, repetition also creates habit. And, and then I started to, you know, I started to use those things in my, in my day-to-day -day life too, and employ those. And I've, I've been on this journey for a long time of just self-improvement, right. And whatever it happens to be. And I just saw all these parallels between what was going on in the dojo with what was going on in my life and what was going on at work and it was just my own improvement. And that repetition was an important thing, right? That it continued repetition of the right way the right action, the right movement, the finite pieces created memory so that it became automatic, right? And then that repetition also created habit. And that habit was important to sustain movement forward after that. Yeah, yeah, I, you're exactly right. And um, the principles that, that, the principles that judo was founded on um, you know, which are to, you know, not fight power with power, to redirect power, to, um, you know, to be, you know, to be uh, smart about what you're doing and not just rush in, you know, throw caution into the wind and go. I've been able to use those exact same principles and philosophies in my personal and professional life very successfully. And uh, so, you know, for me, you know, running into Sensei Model uh, has been, you know, completely life-changing for me. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I wonder often what kind of person I'd I would be had I not run into him, had I not met him, had I not just immediately fallen in love with, with uh, you know, with what he's doing. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's truly incredible. You know, and like I said, it's been life changing for me and I've seen my students come in as one kind of person and just completely transform into something completely different in a positive way. Yeah. And uh, man, that's for me, that's what it's all about, because since they did that for me and and, you know, I, I try to do I try to do what I can to do that to other people. Yeah. Uh, doesn't matter how challenging they are. Um, you know, what, what their issues are, it makes no difference to me. Don't really care. You know, I, I just want to, 
you know, I want to help people improve and, and see the world differently. You know, you, mm-hmm. you grow up believing that the world functions in a certain way, like, oh, the only way you can be powerful is if you do weights and you run fast, and you're like this very athletic person. Then they come here and we completely destroy that. You completely shatter that entire perception of how the world works. And no, you don't have to be the Titan to be the one on top. You don't have to be the super fit, you know, uh, elite athlete to be, uh, to be effective against somebody. And that's, that's really mind blowing for a lot of people when they come in and, and get to experience that. Yeah. Cause I, I think, you know, the impression and some martial arts are f- kind of force on force, right? You meet it. Yeah. And judo and jujitsu are different. And, 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 and I'll say this, like, I don't know if I ever told you this, like I was on vacation. It was the time I was training with you. I'd gone on vacation to Colorado and I like, I didn't want to miss doing judo one day. Right. So I took my gi, I found a place and we were staying at my sister-in-law's house and I found a, a place that I went, I'm like, I'm going to go, go work out with these guys. I arranged ahead of time to go, to go there. And I didn't realize it until later, but that gym was trained. There was a, there was an Olympic athlete, a judo athlete that was training out of that gym. And so they were all geared to sport judo. Well, I showed up there with this completely different mindset and you know, I didn't, what those guys were doing was they had just a bunch of heavy mats and they would just practice yanking each other around. It was was that force on force. Right. And then it came time to like the time of the class, they broke it down into like throws and then the was like groundwork. It came time to that groundwork. And it it was like, I was getting tossed around. Right. Cause it was all just force. It wasn't technique. Mm -hmm. It was just how much force can you put on this? And it wasn't again, not a, not a technique. And then, you know, so I was getting thrown around because th- you were practicing throwing people around. Came to the ground time, it's a whole different story. Um, the, they didn't have, they were trying to use force and you you really see it there, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where it's just about technique and position and chess and all these other these other things. But what what I, you know, I think one of the big things that I gained, Chad, from, from the, the time that I spent with you guys was that, judo and martial arts i think in general kind of really help you overcome hardships because you're always doing hard things and the hard thing might be feeling the feeling your opponent's energy right that you're not meeting it force on force that the hard thing might be just sensing your opponent where they're going where the pressure is coming from and where the pressure is not because maybe that's where you move to i'm wondering Mm -hmm. a little bit about that that this this art of being gentle, feeling the gentle peace so that you can, you can leverage that against your opponent. And that's important in life, right? You have that all the time. Like you, you're going to meet, no one's going to meet their boss head on, right? Force on force. Cause it's not going to go well, but you might, under, <laughs> yeah. you might understand where the gentle peace is. Right. And, and that's the hardship. That's doing the hard thing. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday about doing hard things. And he was talking about being gentle. I'm like, yeah, that's a really hard to do, <laughs> especially for guys. We don't think about it that way. No, no. Yeah, you're, you know, you're exactly right. And that's one of the huge challenges that students have whenever we, uh, whenever they're kind of coming up through the training is I have to tell them, hey, um, 
man, I know this guy who's got 80 pounds on you. I know he's like grinding you into the floor, uh, but you need to, you need to try to relax and move over here. And you need to try to, because there's no way you're going to overpower that guy. And actually Derek actually got my son. He got to see exactly this while preparing for his competition. We have another fairly new student who's strong, 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 real fit, young, you know, uh, I think he's like 24 or something, super fit, really strong. And he was fighting with Derek and Derek was fighting him. And he said, oh man, I just having a hard time. I said, well, yeah, you're fighting him muscle, muscle on muscle. You can't do it. He's bigger than you. He's heavier than you. He's stronger than you. He's more fit than you. You simply can't do it. What you have to do is you have to find a way to relax, which is super hard to do. It's it, like you said, for men, it's extraordinary, extraordinarily hard for us to relax when being aggressed upon because, well, we're hardwired to fight back. We're just hardwired right. to fight back. <laughs> and, um, and so he, you know, he, I guess we, we talked about it some more. I gave him some little things that he could do, um, you know, in terms of, you know, accepting somebody's, uh, you know, aggression and then, and then just kind of redirecting it or, you know, accepting and say, okay, well, that was awesome, man. Good job. And then you turn it or you turn it around on them or just get out of the way. But, uh, the next time, the next time they were both in class, he fought with him again. And he goes, and he did really well. He said, man, the other guy got super tired. I was, I was actually okay. You know, I'm not as tired. I could outlast him. And I was able to see everything he was doing. I could see it coming. Mm -hmm. And, and so working with, you know, trying to deal with, you know, that head on force, you know, you, you just, you just can't win if it's, if you, if you're, if, if, unless you're bigger, you, you can't win. So, you know, doing, doing hard things. I mean, that's, that's one of them. It's like, how, do, how do I go fight with this guy and, you know, not, not try to impose my will in a training environment, right? In a training environment, competition is a little bit different, right? You've got to, you're fighting a clock, you're fighting these other things. Uh, but how do you go do that? And it's a tough thing. Now, I, one of the things that I tell the students is that you can, you can always learn. You don't have to be the aggressor. You don't have to be the one, uh, quote unquote, winning to learn. Sometimes you learn far more by being the one receiving the information. An example of that was uh, I went to go visit, uh, I went to go visit a school in, in the Colleen area. And there's a guy there, you know, he, um, he was not happy with me over uh, some Facebook stuff, which is a whole nother story. And he wanted to quote unquote, roll hard with me. And uh, <clears throat> He's a BJJ brown belt. He's, he's uh, taller than me. He's a little bit heavier than me. Um, and so one of my students uh, is a family who they, they come down from Colleen and train. They were there, they were watching and, and they said, oh, he's here. He wants to roll with you. I said, okay. Well, I just finished rolling with 
the head of the school who's a black belt and we had this great exchange and it was super awesome we had a lot of fun so now i'm going to get this guy who who really wants to put it on me and i'm just like you know this is what i'm going to do and uh and i do this pretty frequently but all i did was um, one of the things he said he was going to do when he was talking trash to some of the students was that he was going to leg lock me because his judo guys don't know anything about leg locks. Uh, the first thing he did was try to grab my legs and I shut that down like in half a second, which was pretty funny. But then after that, I sit back, I let him do what he wants. I let him work. I let him get me. He chokes me. He arm locked me and I just let him do what he want. The whole purpose behind that is <clears throat> which is hard the purpose behind it is to see what he likes to do steal his playbook i stole what he likes to do i didn't offer anything up you know other than some a little bit of defense a little movement here and there i didn't offer anything back it when you don't offer heavy resistance they will give you they'll give you everything they'll show you everything and uh and so the, my, my students, you know, they were like, oh man, you know, oh yeah, he's really good. You know, he should be a black belt. I go, hey, it's, it's okay. Had a big mark across my face from where he, where it was on my nose, you know, big bruise on my nose where he, you know, was trying to choke me. And I said, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not there to impress him. I'm not there to impress anybody. He wants to fight. I let him do what he wants to do. But you know, the next time we, we move around, I know what he likes to do. I know what he wants to do. I know how he acts. I know how he responds to things, but he doesn't know anything about me. He's still under the impression that, that he can do what he wants to. And I never offered up anything offensive. And uh, so it's art of war, you know? <laughs> you don't necessarily show your hand, especially when someone is being combative with you, but you're not necessarily in a combative situation where you have to perform because mm -hmm. if it was a real fight, oh, this is totally different. We're doing things right. totally different, but it's not, it's a form, you know, it's a, I guess, aggressive training. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's what, uh, that's what makes, you know, what I tell the students is this is what makes you able to read people because if I fight with this guy and he does what he does and then I go to another gym and I fight with someone else, they do their thing. I can start looking at the commonalities between each of these people. And then you can say, well, gosh, most schools teach techniques this way, teach movements this way. So again, it's, it's going and it's, not fighting force on force, but you're accepting, you're taking their playbook because if you don't offer up a lot of defense, they're going to, people do what they're most comfortable with first. Like, oh man, I'm just going to do this now because you're not, you're not doing anything yeah. or you're not, you're not, I don't feel that you're, um, I don't feel that you're really that much of a challenge or I don't know, whatever, whatever it is that they want to justify it in their head. But at the end of the day, I can take that information and I can work with the information. I can teach the students. We can do it. We can build off of that. And now we're building this, this, 
you know, uh, how to deal with this person or that person or this style of fighter or that style of fighter. I see. And, uh, and so it's, it, it's, uh, it gets back to kind of what you were saying or asking about, you know, doing things that are hard as opposed to just going and smashing the wall all the time, always going a hundred thousand percent all the time, you know, uh, doing those, you know, working this way teaches you how to be controlled under not duress, but stress, high levels of stress. Someone's trying to choke you. How do you handle that? Mm -hmm. Right. If you freak out, well, you're just freaking out and you're still getting choked. <laughs> so, freaking out doesn't change the situation. It, it doesn't change it, you know. Um, but this also allows you to to learn that, you know, man, I'm still here. The guy was smashing me for five minutes. He's got his knee on my head and it just sucks. But, you know, they never he never got a choke. He never got a lock. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still functioning. I see. So you're just defending all of these things that he was doing while you're cataloging everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. Yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah, that, you know, I, and I think what you're kind of getting at here too is, you know, this is a part of this process is, a, is, is the growth of your own dojo, right? You're learning about, and this is a question I wanted to ask you too, because what dawned on me, having having been with you guys and then visited several other dojos as I was traveling and wanting to do judo, the differences between each of those places was amazing, right? Like it, there wasn't like a common, they just called it judo. <laughs> it was like, this isn't the judo or jujitsu I know. Um, and I, I mentioned the place in, in Colorado, but there were other places that I visited too where they hadn't evolved, right? There was no evolution in technique. Um, mm -hmm. and it was, there was, you know, there was a holding on to tradition, probably not for the right reasons. Um, and so one of the things that I appreciated much later after I, after I left the area was the ability for the, the dojo, your dojo to grow and evolve and I'll say this, do what works. There was always this desire to do what works. Right? Someone came in and said, hey, I tried something else. And what about this? Either you or Sensei Model was like, well, let's look at it. And if there was a better way of doing it, then there's evolution. We're going to change. We're going to adapt a little bit. There was always that while maintaining the traditions and histories and ceremonies that sort of go with judo. Because there was some of that too. We always counted in Japanese and, you know, we're, we're warming up and those sorts of things. So there was a, there was a, was this really nice balance of preservation of history and ceremony with doing shit that works. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, <clears throat> I think this is one of the things that's absolutely amazing about what sensei model has done uh, because he is, you know, he has taken input from me on different techniques, self-defense as well as judo techniques and says, yes, this is good. Now we change it and we do it this way from now on. And I say, well, gosh, you know, I, I was just, I was having a problem with this person uh, and this is what I did to solve that problem. And I just wanted your feedback, you know, is it good or is it bad? You know, should I make changes? And, and, and um, it's, it's a 
really, really cool thing for him to just say, we do this now. That's going to be going forward. That's what we're doing. We're doing it like that. And uh, now with him, uh, it's been super awesome because he's so open, so open because he's just like, look, you know, does it, his thing is, does it follow the principle of judo, number one? Two, are you using too much force? Mm. Are you using too much speed? If it's any one of the, if, if you're using too much force or too much speed, it sucks. It's not good. Go back to work. If it follows the principles and it, the mechanics are right, in other words, the, uh, the physics of it, if they're correct, then you're going to be good. And you should be able to do all techniques slow with the exception of a few that, you know, like a sacrifice or something where you're required to throw your body in order to complete the technique. But you should be able to do all of it slow and controlled and it still work. Um, I think that a lot of schools, unfortunately, I think what they do is they pair it. Uh, Well, I was told to do it this way and my instructor was told to do it. And we don't, I don't question my instructor. My instructor doesn't question theirs and it's just, and it just goes down. Yeah, it's stuck in that thing. And someone, you know, someone's going to come up with a counter. Someone's going to come up with some other thing of doing it. And if you're not yeah. willing to evolve, and that's what I appreciated about you guys so much, is that, and to to kind of echo what you said about Sensei Model, here I was, Jack Nobody showing up there. And every time we would talk about defensive tactics, you know, my ears would kind of perk up and um, I would offer a problem because I was good at offering problems and, uh, and, you know, typically he would have a solution, but a lot of times he heard me out, right? Like, all right, well, let's look at this, right? Well, what about this? And you do this and you can change it this way. But it was just clear that, you know, in other places, like, well, it's because we've always done it that way. And that's the Mm -hmm. way you're going to do it. Well, that doesn't even make any sense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and, and you know what? I mean, I have a, I've, I personally have had a, a huge evolution in between what he taught me and then what I do in terms of gripping and counter gripping, because I've got small hands. He's got huge hands. We're like the same size, but he's got huge hands. I now have arthritis and all of the, uh, the last digits on all on both hands, all the last digits, I have arthritis in them. So, uh, and that's from all of the years of gi gripping and having the having it uh, forcefully ripped open because I'm always fighting big dudes. Yeah, yeah. But now I have a you know I have a different gripping style where one of my favorite things to do to people is someone will come in who has experience, and I'll say, okay, um, make your favorite grip on me, and I'm going to break your grip down without ever tearing your hands out of place or attacking your hands you know, like trying to rip your hands off. I'm going to completely take control of you without ever breaking your hands off. And people make their grip. I do my thing. And I say, I can go here. I go there. And I show them all the different things that I can do from that, whatever grip it is that they make. And usually they can't believe it. They're, they're beside themselves. And um, I was showing this, and this goes back to what you were talking about since they've been just so open and flexible but he was doing a seminar. He says, hey, I want you to come down. We have some people coming in. We have some, a national champion. We have these different people coming. So they came in and and uh, uh, I, he said, I, I want you to help me teach. So I'm going around. I'm helping teach. 
and then somebody had a question about one of them had a question about grip or something. I said, well, here, this is what I do. And I was showing. And then the next thing I know, since they standing kind of off my, off my shoulder a little bit, he's just standing there listening. I turn around, say, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, we, we were talking about gripping. They had some question and, 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 uh, you know, I got us off track and he said, no, it's okay. We're going to take it. We're going to take 10 minute break. We come back. You're going to teach everybody your gripping style because I don't do this. You know, I don't, I don't do this. I don't do it this way, but this is very effective. It's very good. Uh, and so we came back from the thing and now I'm in his seminar doing a, a 30 minute segment on counter gripping and gripping, uh, where, you know, and, and to me, I, it was, such an odd uh, feeling because here you have the answer man who's been doing judo 50 years. <laughs> right. Right. Saying, I don't do this. I've never seen this. I want you to teach it. Uh, but in, in most dojos that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that, does, that doesn't happen. There's a lot of in judo, especially there's a lot of gi gripping, right? It's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of that. And I know from working out with you, um, I was not really interested in the gi gripping because I knew that anything that I was probably ever going to get myself into was going to involve, you know, a no gi, <laughs> like mm -hmm. plain clothes. And you always had this no gi grip, you know, like, for example, you would grab, you like to grab me around the neck, you know, from the back of the neck and you, there's a little crook and you would be really good to grab it. You grab the little <laughs> crook in my wrist, right? You, you know, all these anatomical spots to grab me where you got mm -hmm. grip. Um, and yeah, you know, even though I was working out with sensei model and, and you in the evenings, there were a lot of weekends and lunchtime workouts that you and I had. And I started mm -hmm. picking up these things. I don't know if I ever told you this story. So it was like, you know, sometime down the road. And one of the old, older students of Sensei Model had come back to do a workout in the gym and in the dojo. And and I ended up working with him, right? Because he was like an advanced black belt. And I was like, you know, a no, a no, nobody. And, um, and that's what Sensei Model typically would do, right? Match the, match the guys up and know what they're doing with the guys who don't. So the black belt's responsibility is to protect both. And mm -hmm. I, here I am grabbing this guy and he said, it's like I'm fighting Chad. <laughs> what he didn't know is that you know, I'd been picking all these little nuances up from you. Right. And, uh, he was like, you move like Chad, you, you know, and you have a way of like just directing someone's body before you, you get it in a, you know, kind of a little circular motion before you get them at an angle. And I, I know, cause I'd been in that position many times I'd been in, I'd been at the, <laughs> been at the vulnerability of Chad's movement many times and found myself, you know, by the time you find you it's too late. You're like, well, shit, I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah. So, so I want to, to that point, cause I think there's something that jujitsu and judo bring to the table for people that is missing, um, I think in their, in their, in their lives. Right. And it, well, it addresses a problem and it, for me, it was my ego. Um, and that's what I'm talking about. Right. I'm, I, here I am standing upright. And then two seconds later, you know, it's like something's going to hurt in a few seconds because I'm going to hit the ground. The other thing was with my ego was it, you, you pretty much lose that ego when someone's grinding on your face or, or choking you with your own 
material of your of your own ghee, right? You can't every time you take a breath, it's like material coming into your mouth um, while they're laughing at you. And his name is Chad. So that's just the practice of that. It's this panic mode. I'm in panic mode. I can't breathe. I'm slowly fading. You know, I'm being choked out and I have, and, and my ego is long gone at that point. I have to find a way to kind of come out of this and survive. I have to find a way to, as you said earlier, just those so slow, subtle movements. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, this idea of ego in martial arts and especially in judo. And Nawaza, because <laughs> there you really, you know, someone sticks it to you. Yeah, uh, and, 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 you know, really that kind of, that ties into what I was talking about earlier about shattering, shattering people's perceptions of how the world works. Because, um, you know, there's two things that we're absolutely going to do. We're going to completely invade your personal space. That's number one, <laughs> whether you're on your feet or on the ground, we're going to completely be in your personal space. And um, uh, for a lot of people, that's just that alone is very difficult to, to deal with. Um, and then two, having that ego, right? You, 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 you know, you get guys that come in here that are very fit, they're very strong, big, and then I pick them up. And as soon as they leave the ground, they completely freak out. I can feel their body stiffen up like a two by four. And it's like, hey, relax. I'm not gonna drop you, you know, um, uh, and and it it freaks them out. It, they freak out the second time when you actually do it while you're fighting and moving around. Um, but you know the thing is, the beauty of it is it humbles you in, in, in such a way that you understand that you the whole um, the whole thing that you can't judge a book by its cover. It makes it so true. You, you see Sensei model in the grocery store. You're like, I'm taking out the old man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you're going to realize uh, <laughs> until it's, when it's way too late that, oh, my God, I made a huge mistake, mm -hmm. you know. And um, uh, so that's one of the it, it's it's an amazing thing. And something I try to teach the, my kids and some of the younger students who are, you know, not even in adulthood yet, or they're maybe young, very young adults. I tell them that, you know, other martial arts, like the striking arts, um, <clears throat> you have a, you have some sense, you have a sense of power, but it's, 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 you know, based off of your size, your speed, your strength, whatever. But when you're grappling, when you're when you're grappling with somebody, you that is uh, it's exponential because someone says, "Oh, there's no way this you know 100, 130, 150 pound, whatever person's going to take actually take me down. If I don't want you to take me down, you can't actually do it." You know, you get some guy who's like. 280 pounds. And he's like, Oh, you ain't taking me down. That's impossible. And then I sweep the feet right out from under him or I pick him up and throw him over the top of me. And he's just like, you see it in their face. They're completely like, what the hell happened? What in the world just happened? Do it again. But you can't do that again. <laughs> right. Right. Everyone wants to show me the trick one more time. Yeah. Do that again. Let me see again. 
do it again, and they just, okay, do it again. You know, do it again, okay, wow. And as you could see in their head, you just see it going. The gears are going a thousand miles an hour. They're trying to figure out how is this possible? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Sometimes I'm joking with them. And I tell them, oh, it's magic, you know? <laughs> right. It's almost like it's not reality because it, it shattered their perception of what was possible. Yes, that's, ex- that's exactly right. And, you know, but very, very quickly they learn, okay, I can't just assume I'm going to be able to take out everybody. Because then when they get out in public, they say, well, gosh, well, what does this guy know? What does that guy know? Maybe that person trains. I don't know. You know, and, um, and it really, it really just changes your perception of just, like I said, how the world works. And you talk about, you know, uh, fixing people's egos. Oh my gosh. It just, it just humbles people so much. Now, a lot of it has to do with how I carry myself. If I carry myself in a very, you know, uh, aggressive, I'm going to take you out. I'm the alpha kind of way. Then, then people will respond back in kind. And then you have this like, um, power struggle, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I usually try to present myself as very, you know, um, as relaxed as possible. Oh yeah. Hey, come, come play with us, you know? Yeah, if you want to get on the mat, you can totally come and you can throw me down. You can squish me. You can do whatever. Um, yeah, you'll be fine. No problem. And, uh, and then it, it invites people and then they get to ease them into showing them what this is all about and how, <clears throat> how, you, can use, how you can use physics and timing and these incredible you know, techniques and movements to body out. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch, to watch that exchange happen. Uh, and I actually, I see this a lot when I teach at the police academy, you will have some big guy. He's just back from overseas. He's from the military. He's out. He's like super fit, 8% body fat, just like this freak of nature. And I think I fought that guy. <laughs> and, and, they, and he would be, it's an, it's, it happens like every time he would be blocking the other cadets from practicing their techniques. He's resisting the string of techniques. So I would take it as an opportunity. I say, okay, everybody, let me show, you know, I, just, I see the, the little cadet is having a tough time. So I say, Hey, I get the big guy. And, uh, and I would say, okay, so sometimes this can happen and I'll start the string of techniques. And then you know, the person is playing the drill, they're resisting the string, they're resisting this one, you know, the, the combinations, they're playing the drill. So then I suddenly turn and I throw them with a judo throw. And typically I bury them. And as soon as they hit the ground, I immediately lock them, put pressure on them where they're like, okay, 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 okay. Stop, 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 stop. It's like, okay, now here's an example of, you know, somebody who, uh, thought that they knew what was going to happen, but ultimately they didn't know. Yeah. And, and usually that big guy who was being kind of a turd to the other cadets is now very chill with the other cadets because they just got put down in front of everybody in a typically glorious fashion, yeah, you know? <laughs> well, so this is a good time to talk about was I'm, are you still doing the uh, like the the testing day at uh, with the uh, with the cadets at um, UT? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Texas UT systems, UT systems police. So, um, I'll let, I want to maybe just explain a little bit about what it is you do with that, that police academy. And, and then I'll, I'll share a story there. Cause I'm pretty sure I fought that guy that you just described. <laughs> well, <laughs> those guys, there's a, every class has a few, I'm sure. That, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So what I do is, um, <clears throat> right now, um, I think, I, I don't know, I've been saying, I've been doing this for 15 years with those guys. I've been saying that for several years now, so, but, uh, but now, uh, it, yeah. So each Academy right now, I do a four hour, uh, defensive tactics instructional block where it's just teaching only. That's it. We're not doing any fighting other than the impromptu fights that happen where, well, I'm having to show right. someone how things actually come together. Um, so I do a four hour block and then, uh, and then from there, uh, now they've got it set up where it's just a few days later, then we'll go in and do the no quit drill. And that's where we actually fight with them all. Uh, now the cool thing about UT systems <clears throat> that a lot of people don't know is that they're the third largest police force in the state of Texas. Uh, they're behind, uh, DPS, which is number one. And then the, uh, 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 Texas Department of uh, Wildlife, uh, Parks and Wildlife. Wow. They're number two. And I think the Parks and Wildlife just took over UT by like, like three people or something. Know, like 40 officers or something <laughs> like that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they, they finally got the number two spot. But, um, but uh, yeah, UT is considered state police and they have, uh, you know, they've got the JJ Pickle, you know, research center. They've got, you know, bio labs are protecting like all kinds of stuff, medical hospitals, medical facilities. The top uh, DOD so, search facilities that are embedded in uh, UT systems. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Cause I've been to a few places where you're looking around saying that's straight military stuff. <laughs> it's yeah. military stuff right there. So yeah. But, the uh, they had actually on their website one time that there was like how much money came into the it's like a this is public knowledge right like that when you receive public dollars you put you know what how much public dollars you got but the, like the UT systems a big chunk of their annual budget was coming from government funding because it's just research that's mm -hmm. that, but it's protected research I mean it's sensitive some of the sensitive things I'm sure oh yeah yeah and so that they need a police force that can protect that stuff yeah. And, you know, so up, up until this point, I, I um, you know, my time that I do out there is all donated time. I don't get paid. I've never gotten paid, uh, which uh, at one, one of the academies, it made, it made uh, some of the cadets upset to learn that, uh, that, that the time was donated. They were like, what the hell do you mean you're not getting paid? UT's got money. Are you kidding me? And it's like, well, hey, you know, I, I don't make these decisions, you know, uh, but I feel that if I don't do it, some other some other person's going to come in with nonsense. Right. And they're going to teach you nonsense. So I would rather just do it and say, hey, I donate, you know, I'm donating the time and I'll post pictures. I can't post videos, which is fine. And I do agree with not posting any instructional videos of anything we do, but still yeah. shots it'll be tough to get you know for people to figure out exactly what's going on yeah with a still shot and they and they allow me to do still shots uh as many pictures as i want they're like yeah group pictures pictures doing techniques fighting whatever so 
So back in the day when I was there, there you you weren't doing any instruction there. It was mm -hmm. just like the cadets were testing. It was a it was like the final week of defensive tactics training. Mm -hmm. And the setup was they go do kickboxing, basically get the crap kicked out of them by another instructor. And then they would come over to the mats where we were for ground fighting, and we would typically start in a mounted position. So we'd get on the ground, and the student would would mount us, and then you know they're trying to subdue us, right? Now the difference is in regular rolling is they have a firearm, mm -hmm. got a plastic firearm on, and so that changes the dynamic completely, right? Because they have to be cognizant of that thing that they have. Uh, and, and don't let us, the bad guys. And we were basically playing the bad guys, right, mm -hmm. uh, with them. And so I think I went and watched you guys one time. I was like, you know, early. I was not, hadn't been around very long, so I just went and observed. And then the next time I went, and I, I got two students that were about my size, and it was, you know, it was kind of easy pickings, <laughs> right? Yeah. Roll them off me, do it, you know, and then usually it's a rear naked choke. Um, and that was, I always took pleasure in making sure it was slow and, uh, you know, <laughs> just to let the panic set in. Cause those are just moments that you have after, right? And these guys had no idea who we were. They just thought we were just jokers off the street, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got up where there were the, the crappy clothes and uh, ripped clothes from the last time we were there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but the second time I went, I got a fair, another dude, my same size. And the second guy, though, was this guy. I mean, he was like, he was a big, burly dude, 300 pounds at least. And I saw him running up the hill because they would come running from fighting, right? He was running up the hill. I'm like, oh, my lordy, this dude is big. And he got on top of me. And it was an ego check for me because it wasn't so easy, right? And all the mm -hmm. might where I could use my own strength and force to, you know, to transition to a, be a better position for myself when someone's that big and they're on you and they're strong themselves. And he was a wrestler. He later we ch chatted, he wrestled in high school and had gone into military. Right. So he had had a lot of, he had a lot of experience. It was a significant challenge. And so I took away from there too, is like, don't let this, don't let, because you know, a few things get in your head and you think that you got it. Someone who has size and strength, you're really going to have to master the basics. You know, because I was, I kind of had the, I was new, I kind of had the basics, but I was still relying on some speed and some strength and I, to, to get my, you know, I, I knew a little bit of a few things, um, but mm -hmm. I lived there with a complete ego check, right? And, and I remember looking over at you and you were kind of laughing at me like, oh yeah, that was a good, that was a good struggle. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to, I had it in my mind, I can't let the school down. You're like, oh, <laughs> you guys are going to smash me. Um, and I had, when it was, we were done, I was, I had this like complete adrenaline dump. So I realized that I had been in panic mode when I was there. Right. So this whole process of ego checking, it happens in, at multiple intervals and in multiple places along your career, uh, uh, you know, your practice of, of, of martial arts, that it's this constant ego check. And even when you think you understand it, some, you know, like for me in that time, some, some joker rolls in there who's big and strong and uh, I'm going to really, I'm going to have to sort it out pretty quickly, right. To, to survive. And, and even so I was in, I kind of went in panic mode a little bit. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You never know. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the other thing about, um, about working with those guys. You don't really, you know, we see them in the, the cadet class, but we don't really know their actual background. Sometimes Glenn will, uh, 
sometimes he would point out somebody and all he would really say is that person needs adjustment, you know, <laughs> and I said, okay, I would rig the line so that I get that person so I could adjust them. But, uh, but other than that, man, you never know who you're, who you're wrapping up with. Uh, I did one, uh, what do they call it? They call it a lateral academy academy. So these are guys who have been in law enforcement for some period of time. They just hired on UT and they're going through a, an abbreviated academy. So I went out and, uh, at that time, I think Glenn was out of town on, you know, on business. And so, um, so describe who Glenn is. So, uh, yeah, I right. just, I just kind of threw him out there, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Glenn is Glenn. Uh, Glenn is one of my longtime training partners. Uh, we man, we've been fighting since we were both brown belts. He didn't. He was doing other martial arts, and I was doing judo. But we cross trained a lot together. Yeah, uh, which would people yeah, today would call MMA cross training. Even I would roll in for a workout somewhere, and you know, he, you know, you're striking and 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 ground fighting and all this, like because he was a taekwondo guy, I think. Yep. But he mm -hmm. spent a lot of time in jujitsu and judo, and you spent a lot of time in striking with him, right? And mm -hmm. so always, he's just a great pleasure to, to work out with because you always had a good balance of stuff. And you guys were, and that's what I mean about the, the evolution of what you guys were doing. It was this constant growth because there was always this iron sharpening iron in the dojo there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Glenn, um, <clears throat> so Glenn had gotten into UT and he, he was actually he was, uh, I think he was like the director of the academy or something like that. And so, you know, uh, he would have the cadets leading up to, you know, leading up to when I came in or when we came in. But uh, yeah, he would, uh, he would just tell me, oh yeah, this person or that person needs to, uh, you know, needs adjustment. But that would be, a, that would be all the direction he'd really give me because he would just like to stand back and watch me do my thing. But uh, but going back to what we were talking about, you know, not knowing, you don't really know who you're getting a hold of. So I did this lateral academy and it was me and for Mr. Ferrero, who was Glenn's instructor. Mm -hmm. And he's like the number two, maybe our number three guy at UT Systems uh, Police. And, um, for, and yeah, so you had Glenn, who was at the academy, it, it, it mixed in with this stuff. Mr. Ferrero, who is also Taekwondo, like, you know, seasoned person mm -hmm. also employed at the Academy and then you, right? So this is just a great learning experience for, for first responders to, you know, and law enforcement guys to have you at their sort of, at, you know, training. Yeah. So we, we would, uh, so I did this class and, and we went over the stuff. It was just me and Ferrero. Ferrero said, Hey, I'm going to let you teach. I'm just here because I need to be here because we need to have some, you know, official staff here. Uh, but I'm gonna let you do your thing, and uh, I'm here to help if you need help. So okay. So I was teaching, did my thing. We did pressure points. We did all these different locks, and then Ferro came and said, "Hey, by the way, I want you to teach weapon retention. Just on the fly, you're gonna do weapon retention now." <laughs> okay, we do rep weapon retention. So we did that, and he says, "Hey." Okay, good. So I need you to come back tomorrow and I need you to teach handcuffing. All right, I, I can do that. I've, I've seen Glenn teach it enough times and I, 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 I know how to, I just know how to do it. I watch him. I know the mechanics and no problem. So the next day I came back 
and there's these guys, you know, and it's, man, so how long have you been in law enforcement? I'm, I'm not law enforcement. Well, you, you're military then. How long have you been in the military? I didn't go, I didn't go to the military. What the hell, man? How the hell do you know all this stuff? So, well, yeah, I've been doing martial arts a long time. And, you know, and again, I'm trying to downplay stuff. I don't want to be like, oh, look at me. But um, it was, it was, uh, it was very interesting because those guys, you know, they, um, they were just like, they were impressed by the knowledge that I had. And even on the handcuffing, they were having a hard time with control handcuffing and I said, no, you need to hold it like this and you get this position here and here. And I said, but I thought you weren't law enforcement. I said, no, but what I understand is body mechanics. I understand your vulnerability, your balance, basic things like that. And I can apply that to a, a whole wide range of things. Well, long story short, uh, it turns out that one of those guys was 25 years retired FBI Another one was retired LAPD. Another one was retired Houston PD. And they, they all had to do survey monkeys on, on, you know, the instructors. Every time they had an instructor, they did a survey on them. Yeah. And um, Glenn had told me after he come back into town, um, he, he, when he came back, to, he came to class to training one night. And he said, man, he goes, you're not going to believe these guys. And I said, what? I said, you know, because he asked how the academy went. And I told him how Ferrero kept throwing in these monkey wrenches, you know, <laughs> on me. And uh, and Glenn laughed. He said, yeah, he liked to do that. But uh, he goes, but I'm going to tell you, he goes, do you have any idea of the level of, of experience that was in that class? I said, no. I said, I just thought they were cadets like new to law enforcement, you know, maybe had some exposure, but, you know, I don't know. So he started going through all the different people and uh, levels of experience that they've had and he said you're not going to believe what they wrote he goes half those guys almost you know all the high uh, level guys all of them wrote in their deal that it was the best defensive tactics class that they had ever had and uh and and they had uh they had verbally had told him they said look you know why in the hell is this guy not getting paid <laughs> And because uh, some of them had asked me, they go, man, you must be, you know, they had said something about getting paid or something, making good money off of teaching. I said, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm donating my time. I said, I'm self-employed, you know, I, I'm, I'm coming out because I love to do it. And, I, and, you know, you guys need the help and you need to learn, you know, solid stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, they... It was interesting. So they, they got together and they actually bought, uh, cause this was right around Christmas time, I think. I don't know, somewhere, somewhere around there, but anyway, they got together and they pulled a bunch of money and bought gift card. They bought a, a gift card of PF Chang's for me and the kids to go eat. <laughs> Here's uh, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that was, yeah, that was from the cadets, you know, so That's pretty cool. That was, that was, uh, that was super cool. It was super cool. Uh, but I really get I, what I get out of it is, you know, knowing that I'm, I'm farming, I'm planting these seeds that there's more out there and that it doesn't have to be getting your face kicked in every class or every training. Someone's like trying to break your knees or, right, or, you know, hurt you to, to try to show you something that there is, you can learn good things that are effective and you can train it safely. There are people out there who are knowledgeable and willing to help you. 
and so that's that's another that's another way that I look at a lot of this stuff is 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 farming, not hunting. You know, hunting you 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 get your you get your kill, you go back to camp, you eat it. Now you must go hunting again. Mm. You know, where farming is, you don't know when that seed is going to pop up. You don't know, you know, uh, how it may, uh, you know, you know. Uh, fertilize somewhere else you know it, yeah. you just never know where that stuff comes back around yeah it's renewable right it's renewable yeah what uh, what other things are you doing uh with law enforcement now i know i was aware when i was in the in the austin area round rock area that that, that there were some you know you were doing some work with law enforcement on lunch on your lunch break and uh, you know i don't even think you got paid very much for that either i think guys were just showing up but these are things that you do out of like I mean, you're just interested in helping law enforcement out. Yeah. So right now, um, right now, what I, what I do is is I still do the UT thing. Uh, I had gone out to uh, I was going out to help out Williamson County on occasion. Uh, you know, I get invited out there by uh, one of the guys who was a student. Um, and matter of fact, tomorrow I'm going out to Colleen to work with some law enforcement there. There there's some people who are doing some BJJ, but it's like law enforcement only. And um, so I'm, I, I got in touch with those guys and, and, um, <clears throat> and so I'm gonna go out and show them some stuff. And um, DPS, the Department of Public Safety for Texas was doing a thin blue line open mat to try to bring law enforcement people in to expose them to training and different things. And awesome. it was really cool. I was, I'm the only, the only judo black belt invited to go. So the, the only way you could go to that uh, open mat was if you were law enforcement or if you were specifically invited. Uh, and if you were invited, you had to be a jujitsu black belt that was of uh, good quality, good control, good mindset, all those kind of things. And I, and I told the, the person who set it up, I said, you know, I'm not a BJJ black belt, right? And he said, yeah, but I've rolled with you. You're really good. You, you, you're super supportive, great control, blah, blah, blah. We want you to be there. And I said, okay. And um, they actually, DPS actually gave me a custom made black belt with my name on it. Uh, it's, it's super awesome. That's great. Yeah. <clears throat> it was amazing. But yeah, that's they, awesome. since, since COVID started, you know, all of that stuff got shut down. But prior to that, I started doing a uh, first responder Sunday here at the school. And uh, first responders only, police, fire, EMS, because people don't know that fire and EMS, they fight with people every day. Yeah, they they, just, they're, they're there sometimes before the police get there, right? And so they're yeah. – dealing with these these jokers sometimes yeah and they don't they don't have you know they don't have guns and tasers and batons yeah. and stuff right they've they got to go hands-on yeah um, yeah they're at risk i mean it's, those guys are at risk for sure yeah so we um uh, so i would do a first responder sunday and it's just those guys we would do technically it was two hours it was not uncommon for us to go three or four hours but i would do an hour of instruction ish and then i would do an open mat open training uh format where we could work on whatever could do questions what ifs or fight if they want to fight uh and so at the gym at the new gym i have uh, 
red and blue police strobes installed in the gym. So I kill all the lights and we'll fight with the red and blue strobes on, kick the music up louder. So yeah. it's, you know, disorienting and yeah, a little uh, distracting. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll do that. And, uh, uh, I had a, I had a SWAT guy tell me, man, that was, that was interesting. He said, you know, uh, took me a couple of minutes to, to get adjusted, but after that I was fine. I said, well, you know, a couple of minutes you're dead. So <laughs> that's it's good. It's better. It takes better you train, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, but, that's, um, that's great. So I, you know, one of, one of the guys that I met at the, uh, at the open mat, he was with DPS. He was uh, part of their, uh, part of their training staff. And, uh, uh, he really helped me get squared away to basically, uh, provide continuing education credits for TCOL, the Texas commission on law enforcement. Oh yeah. Great idea. So now, now, and I'm fixing to start it back up. I think I'm going to do, I wanted to do one at the end of the month. I may push it to the beginning of May, but, um, uh, but I started right before COVID, uh, I had started doing uh, TCOL defensive tactics classes where it's a continuing education class. So the student would come in, they have to be law enforcement. You got to have a TCOL number. They come in, we would do our training, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, three hours or four hours, we do the training. After they're done, they fill out a little survey, which is, you know, a couple questions questions real simple and then uh, I would email them all of the documentation that they would give to their training department to submit to T. Cole for credit and uh, he, he uh, uh, this gentleman was uh, really 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 uh, uh, really good at helping me get that stuff set up and so now I'm pretty much the only school in the area that can do that um, awesome. which is, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, now, cool. you know, it's funny because I talked to, I talked to Ferrero and the UT staff, uh, and I was at talking to them about this process and they said, well, look, Ferrero said, listen, you're, you're a subject matter expert. You've been teaching out here under official capacity. We have you down. You've been teaching out here for, I don't know, 15 years, however many years he said, so you've been doing it. You've been teaching commission and non-commission officers for a long time. So just that experience alone under, you know, under our organization as an outside person that easily, that easily can get you, uh, you know, uh, you know, the experience needed to be considered a subject matter expert is on top of your experience in the art and, you know, your rank and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's very cool because, the other instructors, other martial arts schools in the area, they teach to law enforcement or they teach, I'm sorry, they teach students that are law enforcement, but they do not teach to law enforcement. When a student comes in, they treat them just like any other student. Right, right. They don't say, hey, you know, we're going to tailor your training for your job. Yeah. So, and that's what I do. Yeah, that's what I saw that you guys were doing that I thought was really interesting, right? That that when first responders came into your dojo or you, they were talking to you, it was all about for them it's a kind of a career issue, right? Like self-preservation and protection and 
you know, for the average Joe like me, it's just a hobby. Um, but really getting in that for them and your willingness to go there and to think about, okay, well, if you, and this is, gets back to the, the academy thing, right? You have a gun on your side. It changes the scenario a little bit. It changes the technique a little bit. And you guys were constantly adjusting what you do and how you teach based on those variables, right? Variable of having a firearm, variable of having someone intoxicated on you, you know, variable of having, you know, you're going to be in it with red and blue lights flashing like you're at a, you know, East, Eastern Europe discotheque. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's one of the things that, that really makes us really different is that we can, we can adjust the, so many of our techniques to really fit the application of the person that's there to learn, whether they're there for self-defense, they're there for competition, they're there for professionally, right? You know, um, uh, they're, they're getting into, you know, they work on in a bad area or they're doing undercover work or what have you. And how can, you know, we would work different scenarios. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually fixing to hopefully, hopefully soon, I'm going to get to go to a local, one of the local, uh, uh, one of the local departments, and we're going to do a, a what if class because they asked me. So my first T-Cold class that I had, I had one of the defensive tactics instructors in the area come to that class. And after he, because he was talking, he says, man, it just seems like you can just go anywhere. Uh, so he asked me if I was willing to do a what if class for the department where officers come in and they just ask me, what if this, what do I do? Yeah. And I told them, I said, let's do it. Schedule it. We'll make it happen. These are the days I'm available and I'm wide open on these days. Let's do it. And uh, then Corona happened. So we're waiting for that to open back up through the city management. And, what? But we're still going to do it. Chad, if someone's, you know, if they're a law enforcement officer or they're, you know, plain Jane, average Joe, and they're thinking, hey, I want to do this, but, you know, kind of scares me. I'm, it might be a little bit too hard or, you know, might be too physically demanding. One, what would you say to that? And then two, uh, how do they go about getting a hold of you? And I'll put all your contact information in the show notes. Yeah, no, uh, so I, I didn't catch the last part of that question. I was yeah, just basically saying if um, – you know, someone is interested in, in getting involved in, in your dojo and martial arts, whether they be law enforcement or just a regular person, what, what, you know, and, but, but they're concerned that it might be too hard. They're concerned that it might be, you know, that too much damage to their body. We didn't kind of go into the details of like how gentle you guys are and in, in how you train and practice. Um, how did, you know, what would you say to that person who's thinking about it, but isn't sure. And then, and I'll put all your contact information in the show notes. Like, how do they go about finding you? Because you're, I'm guessing you're still in the Round Rock area, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm still in the Round Rock. I'm right on the Round Rock Pflugerville line. We're kind of in a Bermuda triangle of Round Rock Pflugerville Austin, <laughs> where it all comes together in a little point, uh, you know? <laughs> just uh, playing but, with Cedar Park a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but we uh, really, that's one of the biggest misconceptions that people have. They'll go online, they'll look at judo on YouTube and say, oh my God, 
there's no possible way I could ever do that without breaking that my neck. sport judo with the you know Olympic throws and it's it's like force on force. Yeah, exactly. Um, I usually tell people, you know, that we don't do that. That uh, you know, we start everybody off real slow. We're we're really gentle. We can be rough with you uh, if need be, but I don't want that kind of environment in the school as as far as new people coming in because uh, <clears throat> we want you to learn how to do the techniques before we have you fight. Where a lot of schools, they'll just have you fight on day one. If you go to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school, you're fighting on day one. You don't even know how to tie your gi properly and you're fighting, you're fighting somebody on day one. Uh, we don't really do that. Um, and if we do, the person you're fighting will probably be me or one of the advanced guys and they're going to be under very strict rules uh and i and i do watch that very very closely but um but yeah you know folks don't have to be in great shape uh a lot of people will say oh i have to get in shape first before coming uh that's you know that's a that's a misnomer for uh for what we do uh i had a recently had a student not well not recent he's been here a couple of years now but uh he stopped smoking, I think, a week, week or two before coming. Uh, his nephew brought him and uh, he says, oh man, my lungs, you know? And I said, hey, look, no problem. Take as many breaks as you need. As far as I'm concerned, you can take 15 minute break, five minutes work, 15 minute break, five minutes work. I don't care, cause that's just for now. And he used to not be able to make it through class. He was probably taking, you know, 15 minute breaks every, probably every 10 minutes. Uh, now he can go through class like no problem. And uh, I'm 48. I have a new student who just joined actually this week, uh, who's 51. Uh, his daughter is, is here too. She's 13. And uh, <clears throat> we have the whole, you know, range of, uh, you know, from, from teens and up in here. And all body types, all experience levels, all levels of fitness. Because one thing that you will do is you'll you'll you know you'll lose weight and you'll get fit for sure. Um, but we don't we don't push it. I have a, another student. Before she moved to Texas, she was 350 pounds, and you know now she's down. I think she says she's down to 170. Wow. 180 That's and. Uh, uh, she loves it here. She was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu in California, came here. She tried some other schools, uh, found us, and, and she quit the other schools, and she's here. <laughs> and so, um, so really, the only thing, the, the, the only thing you got to do is walk through the door. That's it. Yeah. Just walk through yeah. the door. I'll say that about, I think, when I was describing how I first met you guys, I was really cautious because I didn't want to roll into, I'd been into some BJJ gyms before where it's just, you know, the learning was minimal, but the pain was optimal, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, and I, I'm coming from a sports psychology background where I want to learn the proper way to do something first so that I can start mapping that in my muscle. Um, mm -hmm. and then, and then I can start working on speed and, you know, the other pieces that go with that. And that's where I, that's really why I was cautious and why the ninjas weren't working. Um, but, 
when I saw what you guys were doing, that's when I just finally said, like, this is the right place. You guys are teaching the right way. Um, and it's the right, you have the right dose. And, and the thing is, if you're a little bit more advanced and you walk into your dojo, you're going to find what you need there too, because you're going to have those advanced, you know, as I progressed along, right. I started working with more advanced students and, but it's not a, it's not a one-stop, it's not a, you know, one size fits all, um, in, in the sense that you're going to learn everything that we teach, regardless of how it is, you really do customize it for each student. And I've seen that over and over, mm -hmm. over with every new student that walked through your door when I was there. Um, it really is customized and, and, and everything you did with law enforcement, someone walked in to, to work out and they happened to be a cop and they, they told you they were a cop. It was a little bit different attention paid to them. And not that it took away from anyone else, but it was like, Hey, these are things that you need to think about. We're going to teach you this skill. But if you're going to use it at work, this is the nuance that you need mm -hmm. to take into consideration. And that I appreciated how you guys did that. Yeah, it's um, and, and that's that's again, that's one of the things that really makes us special. Because um, as people as people go to other gyms and I, I see them out there, they come here and they say, yeah, you know, uh, I was at this BJJ school. Uh, we have a one hour class. 15, 20 minutes of it is warm up. We do like calisthenics. We do this and that. Then we'll work one technique. We might get to do it 10 times, maybe. Maybe we get to do it 10 times on each side, but usually only get to do it 10 times. Then we fight. And I said, yeah. I said, so if you map your time out, that's why it takes you 10 years to get a black belt. <laughs> right. You don't touch that technique for maybe two years. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, where, you know, we, we don't do, we have longer classes too. I mean, our classes are an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, Saturdays we're here, I don't know, we're here like five, six hours on Saturday. Um, but uh, but we, we focus on the technical component because like Sensei used to say, when you join the military, they don't give you gun and bullets and say, run that way. You know, just go, go that way and shoot them. You go through basic training. They show you how to load the gun, how to shoot the gun, what to do. And this is kind of the same thing. And, you know, we can fight with people when they're new, but, uh, but we really focus on, we want to teach them first because then it takes the fear away, you know, uh, at least a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a different, it's, it's a very, very different. And, uh, and you're right. We, we do, we completely customize it to what the student is wanting. And it's not uncommon for me to run a class where I have this group over here is doing law enforcement. These mm -hmm. folks over here are doing, you know, self-defense. Yeah. And these over here are doing some competition and everyone else is doing other stuff. Uh, it's more work for me, but, uh, uh, but I, I mean, I, I do, do that frequently. And to me, it's, it's, it's not hard because uh, I don't know. It's, it just, just isn't, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, but that's not, you know, you just don't see classes like that at, 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 at most schools that, that I've ever been to or uh, that students have told me about that they've gone to. This is, they, this is just, this is nothing like anywhere that they've been. Everyone is treated same everywhere else. And when you get into the BJJ community, yes, it's, it's a lot of pain up front. And then with that is a lot of injuries, tons of injuries where we have, 
Yeah. Very, very few injuries. Um, and, uh, you know, even judo schools have high injuries because of the force on force sport yeah, that sort of, you know, win at any costs. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw in Colorado when I was there, I was like, wow, these guys, and everyone was hurt. Everyone was patched up, bandaged up. I'm like, and they're, you know, they can't do half the throws because they're injured. <laughs> yeah. And so like, what's yeah. the point of that? At some point you have to, you know, what, well, what, why are you there? If you're there to learn something and, and to grow, um, and you're, you know, you're just all banged up all the time. It's, you know, probably not meeting your goals. Uh, so. Right. As we come to the end of our time here, Chad, um, is there anything that you want to impart, any knowledge uh, that you want to share that I maybe haven't uh, asked you about or talked about? Well, uh, the, uh, the one thing that, that I'd really like to uh, express is that the, the, biggest, the biggest thing about judo is that um, – Traditional judo is not just throws. People think that judo is only throwing. That's only 50% of the art. The other 50% is on the ground. And a lot of people, you know, uh, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And let me tell you, BJJ, you know, that's only ground fighting. And ground fighting is super fun. Love it. It's super fun. Yeah. But in all reality, you know, people say – people. People, you know, people in the BJJ community say, oh, this is the most realistic self-defense martial art. Well, uh, in their opinion, yes. My opinion, I don't think so because uh, you never see them fighting with two people. You never see them fighting with three people. It's always a one-on-one -on -one fight. And um, <clears throat> if you go to the ground and there's multiple people, you're done. If there's a second person with a weapon, you're done. And it doesn't even have to be an adult. You can be fighting with an adult and a 10 year old kid can come kick your melon into the, into the, you know, goalpost. Yeah. And uh, so at its very core, everything works off of balance. Uh, balance, you have no, no leverage, no leverage, no power, no power. Your technique means nothing. So uh, in terms of, in terms of school, old judo originally intended the founder the way he originally intended judo to be this is what we do we do throws we do ground self-defense you know weapon disarms we do difference uh and that's all under the judo and traditional jiu-jitsu so say that last piece again that you just said i, I missed it and lost you for a second oh no uh so i i would say that you know that uh, uh a lot of people believe that jiu-jitsu or jujitsu is, you know, and Brazilian jujitsu is the same, um, that Brazilian jujitsu is only ground fighting and it's not jujitsu. And people, as I say, well, speak Portuguese and the term jujitsu is Japanese. So how does that work and why do they use names? So, uh, you know, people are trying to, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community is trying to redefine, redefine the term to, to make it their own, and it's not. Yeah. Um, I always designated BJJ or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as it's called, uh, but never just Jiu-Jitsu. So as people are looking 
you know, understand exactly what you're getting and, uh, you know, do your historical yeah. research. Yeah. I think uh, that gets lost. And you, know, you said it early on yeah. that judo is, is born from jujitsu, which is a samurai art, a samurai warfighter. Um, and everything else is sort of these spinoffs of it, judo being mm -hmm. one of those things. And then the problem with judo is it's, it's morphed into, you know, this tournament style, Oh, point yeah. system, right? Where you don't even have Nawaza that doesn't even have ground fighting. It's not even played into it. So it just feeds more into this BJJ side that there's, you know, to that argument. Yeah. But it's so is, sad. It is sad. It's sad. That's it's, it's something that judo is the sport side of judo is causing this death, if you will, of, the whole art of Nawaza, the whole ground part of, of judo. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it gets framed, judo gets framed in these Olympic kind of Olympic style of judo. And that's really not judo. That's like a, maybe a third of judo. Yeah, no, that, and that's, that's accurate. It's a, it's about a third. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what you're seeing in the Olympics is a, is not real judo. It's a, it's one very narrow point system of it. And, you know, maybe the, the analogy is going to a BJJ tournament isn't anything like watching an MMA fight, right? With a with someone who's doing BJJ or, you know, who's per primarily a BJJ guy who's in, in an MMA fight. They're going to do a whole lot of other things that they wouldn't be able to do in a BJJ tournament. Um, but you don't mm -hmm. frame the BJJ mixed martial artist as, oh, he's only he can only do these things, right? Or, or it's only this kind of skill. Uh, and it's, it's a confusing, you know, the tree starts to break off of jujitsu, it becomes confusing, but, uh, but I think it's important uh, the, the point you made, it's important that to know that, that judo really is a lot more than, um, what you see in the Olympics, if you will. Yeah. And that's, that's one of my big goals for, you know, what, what it is that we're doing here, uh, is to change the perception of what judo is. You know, I didn't know what it was when I met Sensei, and I'm, you know, uh, my perspective is from is from his teaching, uh, as well as my own my own you know my own research, my own study, but um, but yeah, it's I really want to showcase what judo is supposed to be, what judo should be, what it was intended to be, as well as what Sensei model has been able to do with uh, with his you know, evolution of it, I guess, is what you could call it. But uh, that's, that's, you know, to me, that's, that's my goal is to, is to really show people what, what judo really is. And uh, uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and, uh, you know, constantly having conversations with people, trying to educate them. And, uh, uh, so that's the big thing that, that I'm constantly having to fight with, with folks. Let's say fight, you know, uh, you know, is tell them, no, you know, uh, we're doing judo. What we did right there, that's judo. Yes, you see it in BJJ, but it came from judo. Here's a Japanese name. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it was, it was jujitsu at some point. Right. And it's just, uh, it's a. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, and two, it's like, you know. And, and I tell people, I'm like, look, jujitsu, Japanese, jujitsu is Japanese. It's been around way before the Gracies were even born. 
You know, now, unless you want to tell me Grandpa Gracie was some time traveler and he went and taught the Japanese so he could come back and learn from Maeda. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, I think the, the, why sort of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu became so popular was it's the very thing that you guys are doing, right? That That they adapted to current situations they weren't kind of tied up in this dogma of well that's because of the way we've always done it mm -hmm. and there's value you know in this is partly probably where some judo dojos got left behind if you will but that's why it grew I, in my mind that's where where they where it grew from and there's nothing wrong with that right but uh, but just I, I think what we're talking about here is just a general awareness of what these are and what they aren't and some people might frame yeah judo as being something that it actually isn't because we're just thinking of it from the sport specific piece i always cringe when i'm watching an mma fight and someone says oh this is a judo player here because i'm in my mind i'm like well what kind of judo player are we talking yeah about? someone who's <laughs> who knows all of the thirds or someone who just comes from this one third because then they get you know they get tossed and themselves or they ends up on the ground and they're not quite you know, they're not quite as astute on the ground as a, someone who's in BJJ because they've never trained Nawaza. They've never trained on the ground. They've just all been throwing and it's never mm -hmm. been important in their entire judo career. It's all about the point of the throw. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not about, you know, and in fact, you know, I, I think the point system in judo now is, is such that it's not even worth going to the ground. You get, no. like, you get like no, they've even changed it worse. And in, in, I think recent years. Yeah, no. Um, matter of fact, I, I when people say they want to do, do a judo competition, um, I steer them away from it. I said, no, let's go do a BJJ competition instead because we can simply do more. You know, in judo, you can't, you can't touch below the belt without being penalized. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the most ridiculous thing. And, you know, um, you know, and, and, some things, some rules I understand is for, for fighter safety or, you know, you don't want to paralyze a guy. I get it. Uh, but, you know, so when people say, hey, I'm interested in competing, I usually say, well, you know, we should, you should entertain doing a BJJ competition because we can simply do more. And by the way, all these things we do in class, you know, uh, shoulder locks and, you know, certain chokes and grabbing the legs and all these, by the way, you would be penalized for that and judo yeah uh, oh you put two hands on one side for more than five seconds yeah you're penalized yeah three penalties you lose the match <laughs> it's that simple you'd be we would be dq'd in no time you know i realized that early on with you guys that i think we you know sometimes you'll simulate a match right mm -hmm. and i'm like well this isn't even any fun <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm not even having any fun here and as much as i like to compete i i never entered a judo tournament because of yeah. that I'm like this isn't this isn't this isn't the spirit of what jujitsu no. is, right? Now, when when we occasionally we do have guys that just insist, I want to do a judo competition. Hey, I'm going to go do this competition. I'll say, okay, fine. And the amount of preparation we do is usually about the week prior to the competition, and it's more or less, hey, don't do these things, and here are the rules, and that's about the extent of it. Um, and so. It's kind of cool because when the guys go, they typically take first or second place, uh, like almost every time. Uh, it, yeah, if it's not first, it's second. <laughs> and I mean, because they've mastered the basics, before. I'm sure. No, 
That's exactly it. I mean, before COVID, uh, about a year before COVID, so a couple of years ago, we had, I had a student go to the San Antonio, uh, the Alamo Classic. He went as a uh, orange belt. They put him in the black belt division because they didn't have enough people. And they said, hey, do you want to fight black belt or we can refund your money? He said, no, I'm a fight. I'm here to fight. He won the black belt division. <laughs> wow. They, they put him in the, uh, he fought in the open division as well, which is anybody v. anybody. Uh, he took second place in the open division. He lost against a, uh, a wrestler who was an Olympic alternate. <laughs> and what nobody knows is that he pulled his groin and sprained his ankle like a severe sprain two weeks before the competition. So he went and he fought, and that was on the same leg. So he went and fought, <laughs> took first place in the black belt division as an orange belt with a pulled groin and sprained ankle. Fighting dudes who do nothing but train for competition in judo. Mm. And, uh, you know, and it's just kind of like. <laughs> that. Yeah, that's the point I was making about that place I visited in, uh, you know, in, in Colorado. I'm not going to mm -hmm. say where, but. <laughs> that's okay. I think I know. I probably know where. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were all good. They were all good guys. And it's just, no. it, was, it was something different than, than I was interested in. Right. And, um, uh, you know, probably didn't have. Uh, as a dojo probably didn't have practical applications outside of the right. sport, the sport of judo. And that's what I wasn't about the sport of judo. It was about how can I use this in my, in my day-to-day -day life? Well, the martial arts family is an amazing family. And the, the folks that, that I've met and have remained friends with, have been very close friends with have all been part of the judo and martial arts family. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, I mean, just, just, I mean, the people that I meet and it just, it's just amazing, amazing people. Like I said, that would become lifelong friends and, you know, there's not a whole lot of places you can do that with the kind of diversity that, that, uh, that, that, that we get here. Uh, and that's, that's a, it's a beautiful thing and it's just truly amazing. You know, you're, doesn't matter when you're on the mat. It doesn't matter what your position is at your work. Doesn't matter what zip code you live in, what your income is. It, it, you know, it, none of that matters. Your political belief doesn't matter. Doesn't nope. matter your religion. Nothing matters. Yeah, because uh, someone sticking their elbow across your face and pushing your jaw into the mat <laughs> doesn't matter who you are. It's still an elbow. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's, it's, it's universal discomfort. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, like my favorite thing was always to just be like suffocating my own clothing. That's a great one. Right. Not that, you know, you're breathing hard and then, and then Chad manages to stick your clothing in your mouth. Thank you, Chad. Well, you know, uh, I do, I, I've got a, I've got a girl, police, uh, police Jackie, we call her police Jackie. She's a Cedar park officer, but she likes uh, her favorite thing is to stick her elbow in my eye socket as she's uh, when she's on top and she's Good. right. I'm and sure you like, of it. Oh yeah, I totally. I'm like, oh my god, that's uh -huh. so painful. But uh, uh, but I tell her, I say, hey, it's okay. You can do whatever you want to me. It's fine. Um, you know, it's fine. You can do what you want. You're you're you're, you're an officer and and uh, you can do what you want. It's okay. Probably don't do that to everyone else they, I don't know that they can mentally handle, yeah. handle it, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it, 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 it's something that's truly amazing. 
yeah. about all this is just the people, the people that we, we get connected with. And, uh, it's, it's, it's truly amazing. Yeah. Chad, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it, it, was a, it was an awesome conversation. This is probably the longest podcast I've ever done. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, like God, we could we could just talk for another two hours. I know. I, I know. Thirty stories I wanted to talk about and and things to ask you. Probably have to do another one. Uh, yeah. uh, go into the future and, and thanks for kind of the, the close out there of explaining. I, I think we lost connection a little bit, but explaining that that what you know the differences between judo and and what you guys are doing and and, and jiu-jitsu um and like i said i'll put in the show notes how to, how people can contact you and and i just want to thank you again for being such a you know a, a big influence in my life both you and sensei model were the right place at the right time for me uh my only regret is that i you know i i left that area and i can't tell you how many how many times throughout my weeks that I'm just grateful that I came across you guys. I'm grateful that I met you. I'm grateful that I, you know, have this ongoing uh, friendship with you, and that uh, that I I do have some regrets that I that I that I left, and that I don't have the opportunity to to, to work with you guys because I think if you're in the Round Rock area, you're in the Austin area, and you're not and you're interested in martial arts, you're interested in judo or jujitsu, and you're not going to to see you guys, you're you're man, it's just, it's a missed opportunity. And, and, and it's not like, you know, you're going to get that experience anywhere else. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Oh yeah. No. And, uh, you know, your, you know, your friendship means so much and yeah, you know, I know you had to go from, you know, work, work was calling. Yeah. When you had to, calls. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but no, I mean, again, it goes back to the relationships, right? I mean, this is the look what, look what judo has done for both of us. Yeah. You know, we made this incredible connection and I mean, you know, I, I talk, man, I talk, tell stories about you all the time, talk about you all the time in a positive way, nothing bad, I promise, <laughs> you know, but, uh, uh, when I showed, when, when, when we found you on YouTube and, and I got to show my daughter cause she didn't get to meet you guys. You know, she was born was a little when I left. Yeah. Yeah. And so getting to show her you and getting to listen to you, she was so excited. Oh my God, that's him. I said, that's, that's Gabe. So <laughs> okay. it was, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. And, uh, you know, love you guys to death. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, y'all are just truly amazing people and, and you know, I just can never say, enough good about you guys. I mean, truly, I, I, and I miss you dearly. <laughs> you know, it's bad. It, it, so. goes, it goes both, it cuts both ways. I want you to keep yeah. a notepad in your pocket, right? Some sort of thing to write on. So as, as these, uh, as some topics come to your head, cause I know they will, I know how you think it, you're <laughs> right? things that you think are important to talk about, right? Write those down and we'll do a second. Uh, cause we, again, we could have an, another 10,000 conversations here Oh yeah, about, uh, I didn't get as deep into the relevance between judo and, and wellness and judo in life. Um, and I hope, hopefully there was enough, you know, from the people that I know that are listening to this, that they'll take away some of those things. But um, it is such a, it is, there are so many parallels between what goes on in, on the mat and what happens in life that it's, 
I, I don't want to miss the opportunity to, to, you know, to draw those parallels to, for people. This is the Foxhole Podcast. <laughs>